This is Radio Australia. It's a great goal! Ronaldo coming to life! Harry Kill! Nakamura! Brilliant from Messi! Kaká and Gerrard! Pressure now on Park Ji-sung. What pressure? Tim Cahill has done it again! What a goal by Tim Cahill! Welcome everyone, this is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. From FortDiegos.com, my name's Rodrigo Rodriguez, and with me today are my co-hosts, Carlos Alberto Diego and Warren Diego. Diego's, welcome to our weekly wrap of World Football. Thanks, Rodrigo, and hello to our listeners. On today's show, we'll cover the latest Asian and Oceania World Cup qualifying news. We're all over Euro 2012, which starts this weekend in Poland and Ukraine. And Warren, we've got a couple of spare, very special soft sombrero moments uh, where we take our listeners all around the globe. We certainly do, Carlos. First, we travel to London to speak Euro 2012 with football writer from the UK, Mike McGrath, and then we take a long flight all the way to <laughs> Delhi in India to speak to the newly appointed coach of the Indian under-23 Olympic team, Arthur Pappas. So, Rodrigo, as always, because we're going around the world, we yes. better get off very quickly. Well, um, our first stop is London, and uh, it's a big treat for me. I haven't spoken to this man for a little while. I know you gents uh, spoke to him just recently, but to kick us off, uh, let's go to the UK to speak to our Euro 2012 man over there, UK football writer, Mike McGrath. Mike, welcome to the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, it has been a bit of a while. I think the last time we spoke, I think Australia were probably better than England at cricket. <laughs> and, uh, and everybody thought England were going to win the World Cup or going to win uh, win something major. And obviously, uh, that's, uh, that's a bit different um, as we head into this tournament. So, uh, yeah, things have changed a little bit since we last spoke. Well, nothing's changed really. England haven't won anything. <laughs> uh, they might have won. They might have won the Ashes. But, uh, Mike, welcome to the show. It's Rodrigo here. We've got Warren and Carlos now. Really appreciate you joining us. Um, Euro 2012 starts this weekend. I, I really can't believe it. We love Euro um, over here. And um, your beloved England um, isn't without its trouble going into um, this tournament. What's going on with England? Yeah, as I mentioned, it's um, you know it's, it's been. Uh, really chaotic the last couple of months, um, starting off with Fabio Capello leaving. Um, then uh, that, that's a whole story. That can, you can have another show about that some other time. But in the present, you have um, Roy Hodgson being brought in, you know, much to the, uh, much to the you know, surprise of everybody that Harry Redknapp didn't get the job. And, um, uh, and Roy, as nicely as he's had so many problems, uh, in dealing with uh, whether Rio Ferdinand should go is the big issue, but also he's had injury after injury. Um, so as I mentioned, it's, uh, it's, it's really low expectations from us um, over here. There's no real uh, fanfare in terms of saying, right, we're going to win it this time. I think this time people are just saying, right, let's try and get out of the group um, and, and, that, and take it from there. Because um, yeah, it's absolutely zero expectations with this team. Uh, kind of a, a you know, kind of a real uh, motley crew, really, just put together at the last minute with uh, with Roy Hodgson at the helm. Mike, it's Carlos uh, Gareth Southgate, the technical director at the FA. He added to all this uh, in the last twenty four hours, coming out and saying, "Well, we don't have a chance because technically we're inferior to everyone. We don't pass the ball well. We don't possess the ball well. We're basically a, a bunch of players who aren't good enough." And uh, but surely this is this is you know this whole beating down the expectations is certainly something quite unique with England going to an international competition. 
surely, I'm just thinking, could it be part of the strategy maybe to get uh, maybe France off guard and getting them a little bit more, you know, uh, maybe a bit too cocky before the game on Monday? Yeah, I think certainly everybody's kind of saying, look, let's keep it this way. Let's keep it, let's keep it so that expectations are low. Even if we do beat France um, early next week, let's just still maintain this low profile and be the be the underdog this time, rather than the ones expected to uh, expected to perform to the top. But the thing is, with Southgate, got a got a very long term view to improve uh, how we how we play over here, so that we are more comfortable on the ball in the in the uh, in the same mould as Spain and Germany, um, but you know we get because we get to a we, we get to a tournament we play three games in a week essentially and to play that at Premier League uh, speed is absolutely shattering after most most players have played 50 times already last season it, you know it, it's asking a lot to try and win something in that manner um, so. We're always over here. Whether you know, it's a it's a big debate whether we should try and be more considered with our passing, like the like the Spaniards. But then again, you you do say that, and Chelsea um, and Chelsea kind of had their uh, moment of glory in the in the Champions League, playing the British way. Um, so so really, is it, a real kind of um, unease with people like Southgate on how we actually play the game over here. Yes, Mike, if, um, if the Poms actually want to work out how to turn things around in two years, they should look at France, who have done that. I'm just wondering, can you get some clarification for me whether Patrice Evera will actually hop off the bus <laughs> this time around? Because we know there were a few issues back in the World Cup. But the French, 21 games unbeaten, have turned it around. They'd certainly go into that first game against England as favourites, you'd suspect. That's if Patrice Evera does get <laughs> off the bus. Yeah. Well, they had a great win in the week. They won four 0 in their final warm-up game, um, and to be honest, they're, they're their own, they can be their own worst enemies, like they were at South Africa. Um, I, I never really thought that of a, of a French team. I thought it was more the, the, the Dutch guys who play into the stereotypes of imploding from within, but certainly they were just a complete shambles in South Africa. Um, but it seems like they, they've got over that, and they they look very strong. Um, uh, Frank Ribery looks like you know he looks looks like he's got over that injury in the in the Champions League final, um, and even Florent Malouda is saying well they got a few injury knocks uh, with Diara is a concern for them, but certainly I think England are kind of starting off with uh, what should be uh, the toughest uh, test of their group. Do you think they'll win? Uh, I I don't actually. I think a draw would be. Quite quite fine in that one, yes. and then kind of pick up the slack uh, uh, against um, Sweden, and then obviously Wayne Rooney. That's another problem that I didn't mention that uh, Boyd Hodgson has. He's suspended for two games. You know, maybe he can come back and save the day if we desperately need points against Ukraine. Here on World Football Weekly, we're speaking with UK football writer Mike McGrath. Now, Mike. Um Spain, Germany and Holland are the clear favourites. Now, Spain, obviously World Cup holders. Can can anyone knock them over in this uh, Euro 2012? Yeah, I, I think there is a possibility. I'll, I'll probably, I'm not going to uh, you know, put it all on the line and say who it will be, but I think Chelsea kind of showed the blueprint on how to frustrate that, um, that passing style, which might not be the most attractive to watch, but it was certainly effective um, over two legs, um, 
Stamford Bridge and, and at the new Camp. I think that's the way to kind of stifle them, play on the counter-attack. Um, uh, and unfortunately, uh, Didier Drogba is the, is the guy uh, that won't be at the tournament. Um, but he was the one who scored that all-important goal for Chelsea. So, you know, that killer instinct on, on the counter-attack can prove uh, can really prove decisive. Um, so I think it is. It's not as I think it's quite open actually, because obviously the Germans maybe a little bit um, are, are suffering a little bit from that Champions League defeat as well. So many players involved in that, um, and 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 for for as good as, as Holland are going forward, I think most um, kind of pundits are pointing to them to having possibly a weak defence. Um, if you want to pick out something with them. So it could be uh, a bit more open this time. Well, Mike, we realise that Spain, Germany and Holland are probably, uh, you know, the punters are... Uh tips for the, the favourites for the competition and uh, and it's no surprise that they finished uh, you know first, second and third basically in the last World Cup the dark horses, I love the dark horses and of course uh, you know you look at the likes of France, you look at the likes of Portugal maybe, even though the form hasn't been all that good going into the competition, of course Italy uh, a, a team mired in scan- scandal back home, the betting scandal or the match fixing scandal you almost uh, want to go you know, as uh, to Italy as maybe the dark horses because they tend to play so so well when they've got problems. Well, with Italy, obviously, uh, um, the last time they had a betting scandal in that country, um, which kind of rocked uh, European football, they went out and won the World Cup. So I wouldn't <laughs> put anything past them. You know, you can go from one week uh, saying we might have to pull out. Um, you know, to the next to the next. Uh, kind of week that they could be contenders I mean it's got all the hallmarks of those great stories of the European Championships like Denmark uh, being pulled off the beach and uh, and told to play instead of Yugoslavia and end, ending up winning it um, so I, I, I just think I, think, I know Portugal has got a really uh, tough ask but I just think Cristiano Ronaldo in the form that he's in um, could it could be his tournament a kind of uh, one-man show in the same way Maradona used to do for, for Argentina at the World Cup. I think it could be a really special tournament for him in in what is a decent team anyway, but obviously he's come off just... Him and Messi have just been incredible this season. I just think if he can carry on that into the tournament, they could really... Re- they could be a real shock because they're another one with, with not a great deal of expectation when you compare them to those heavyweights that you... Uh, those three heavyweights that you outlined... Well, Mike, uh, just before we go, is there any truth to the rumour that um, Greece, the Republic of Ireland, Portugal, and Spain are going to be passing the hat around in the uh, in the crowd just to just to, <laughs> to make their money? The austerity teams, we're calling them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they need yeah the Greeks in particular. They need uh, they need uh, you know two thousand and four to be reprised uh, to get a few miles uh, in that country. And the Irish, they're, they're, they'll have a party, whatever. I, I, I think it doesn't matter whether they're broke or. Uh, whether you know they're rich with the tourists that they that they love to uh, welcome to that country, um, that they always have a party. So expect um, expect plenty of the Guinness uh, flowing in uh, in Ukraine and Poland when where they're involved. There's no team. There's no doubt that the austerity teams are party teams. So, um, Mike, we really appreciate your time here on World Football Weekly, and we'll uh, catch up with you next week. Thanks for joining us. Okay, speak soon, guys.
That was a special soft sombrero moment with UK football writer Mike McGrath. Don't forget, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can email us on 4diegos at bigpond.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash 4diegos, or like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash 4diegos. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the world game. Coming up, it's an Asia-Pacific Oceania World Cup qualifying wrap. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. The best of a multitude of stories about these super lung South Americans comes from a Brazilian league game in the 80s. The commentator on seeing the ball hit the back of the net threw his head back, closed his eyes and launched into a scream that lasted 36 seconds. Unbeknown to him, the goal had been disallowed. When he realised, all you could hear was the sound of a microphone hitting the floor and heavy footsteps clomping out of the commentary box, apparently never to return. This has been a tribute to Brazilian commentators everywhere by the Four Diegos. Welcome back. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. It's your weekly dose of world football. Coming up, stay tuned. We share, um, we travel to Delhi and do share a special soft sombrero <laughs> moment. We're going to India uh, with the newly appointed Indian Olympic football coach Arthur Pappas. But first, let's uh, talk Oceania Men's Nations Cup, and it's uh, it's been all happening uh, during the week. And uh, let, I, I want to start with the first uh, game. Uh, it was it was Samoa versus. Tahiti was a 10-1 result to the Tahitians. This was a thumping of the highest order. Um, Warren, you predicted this too. Yes, and I, I well, don't Tahitians know. know how to come back from a 10-1 yes, loss, Yes, they the do, they do. But just looking at the results, they panned out as you would expect. But it was interesting. New Zealand were challenged in all of their games in terms of scorelines being 2-1, 1-0. And I don't know about you, Carlos, I can smell an upset brewing <laughs> I can Ooh. smell the upset brewing. I don't think New Zealand... Uh, who's going to beat New Zealand then? Well, you know, Tahiti and the Solomon Islands, that's a 50-50 game for me based on their results. Either one of those teams wins, they can have a crack at New Zealand and, and I think legitimately expect to be competitive. If you have a look at the results, New Zealand actually, you know, played against one of these teams and only won 1-0 previously mm. it's, it's in, the, in the round-robin competition. So I'm looking... I'm thinking Tahiti will get through just in that game with New Zealand going through against New Caledonia. Good luck to New Caledonia in terms of getting through. Fantastic effort. But there's an upset brewing here, Carlos, no doubt. It'll be the Solomon Islands, I think, uh, if they front up against New Zealand in the final. And I think we've got to agree that uh, New, New Caledonia have been plucky through this whole tournament, but I think that they will get beaten in the semi-final. So New Zealand will go to the final, and then we'll have uh, out of uh, Solomon Islands and also Tahiti. I think just Solomon Islands, the professionalism, the strength that they have, the culture of football that they have is enough to get them through. They're playing at home also. And then in the final... Uh, they're, of course, not only playing for the next stage of World Cup qualifying, but they're playing to go all the way to the Confederations Cup. Imagine mm. seeing Solomon Islands at the Confederations Cup. It that would, would be, be fantastic. It would, but don't write off the Tahitians. No, there, sorry, Carlos. or Tahiti. Right, yeah. Because the Tehau brothers, you know, Lorenzo scored five goals so far. Elvin has scored four. Jonathan scored uh, three. I'm hoping they're brothers. They, probably, they could be cousins <laughs> as well. Um, hopefully they're all related. But uh, Tianui has also scored two goals for Tahiti. They Those boys are on fire, and the... 
the entire extended family of the uh, of the Tahals are just absolutely buzzing. Their boys are on the scoreboard. So congratulations to them. So yeah, as as we said, Tahiti versus Solomon Islands, and then New Zealand take on New Caledonia in the semi-finals. There, looking forward to that. What about the Asian uh, World Cup qualifiers, gents? And um, Let's start with uh, Group B. Japan thrashed Oman 3-0. Um, this Japan team is is actually looking very, very good at the moment. In fact, they are now ahead of Australia in the rankings. Yeah, that's okay. I know you Rodri- take a lot of story notes. Yeah, yeah. If Australia goes up in the rankings, I take notice. If they go down, I don't take notice at all. So I'm not taking <laughs> notice this time. But uh, Japan, you've got to remember, they didn't have a, a great qualifying uh, phase, the previous one, to get through this stage. They've only beaten Oman 3-0 at home. Okay, it's the start of a qualifying campaign at home. A side like Japan's expected to do that. I want to see Japan against a real red-hot Australian side next week, but I also want Australia to get some points, uh, get all three points in the man in musket this uh, on Friday night, which will be really, really well, important. Let's talk about that because, mm. um, as you said, Australia do take on Oman over there in Oman. This is. Uh Hopefully it's going to be nice and hot. No. It will anyway, be. They're playing at 5 absolutely. p.m. in I the know. afternoon. It's going to be unbelievable. Probably the hottest part of the day. Um, this is, I mean, is this a banana skin game or is no. this just a danger game for no, Australia? No, it's not, it's not a banana skin game. I mean, it's a danger game. You're playing in conditions, but you're playing against a team that has come off. They've travelled just as much as Australia in many ways coming from Japan I think, for me, the results in the first lot of games have only reinforced the fact that there is a gulf between the top teams and the rest of the teams in this qualifying. Even if, and I think Carlos said it really well when we've talked about this previously, you've got to think of the of the campaign, the total number of games. And, okay, Australia may be in a position where a draw would be a satisfactory result against Oman. And then suddenly, though, if they beat Japan and focus on that game, they're four points they may be behind, but you're thinking about the campaign in general, and I don't think there's a problem bearing in mind the top two teams go through, Carlos. Exactly right, and I, I just wonder. I just wonder about the strategy and the, and the tactics they'll use. We saw against Denmark in the friendly on the weekend, where Australia just sat back when ben, Denmark had the ball, and we didn't do that very well. We're going to have to play that style of play in musket because of the heat. They won't be able to, you know, have the full court press on on the must on the uh, on the uh, Omani players. So it'll be interesting to see how Australia deal with it. They didn't do it well against Denmark, so I just wonder whether they're going to have bursts of attacking play and then sit back or what they're going to be doing. But in saying that, Carlos, with the ball, the Aussies were very good, and I think that if they get their fair share of possession, they can counter-attack very effectively, and one goal will be enough, I think, to win the game for the Aussies. Looking very much forward to that as Oman take on Australia, and then a couple of days later on Tuesday, Australia take on Japan here in Australia. Just so. a quick one, Rodrigo. Group mm. A, mm-hmm. the big ball over there was Iran beating Uzbekistan yes. in Uzbekistan. I mean, that is a huge, huge result for Iran. And suddenly they're in the mix now to qualify. Actually, in Qatar and South Korea, mm. looms as a big game because Qatar had a, had a great win um, over Lebanon as well. Thanks, boys. Uh, remember, you can email us on 4diegos at bigpond.com or follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash 4diegos. Share us, uh, like us on Facebook as well, facebook.com forward slash 4diegos. Stay tuned. Coming up, we travel to Delhi in India to speak with newly appointed Indian Olympic football coach Arthur Pappas. This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. You know what EPL stands for? Every player loaded. To all English Premier League coaches out there, happy coaching. This is the Four Diego's.
This is World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. Now, in keeping with bringing you all the latest football news from all points of Asia and the Pacific, we now travel to Delhi in India to chat to a young Australian coach who is making big waves in a country recognised as a sleeping giant of football. Please, a big Fort Diego's World Football Weekly welcome, live from Delhi, to newly appointed Indian Olympic football coach Arthur Pappas. Arthur, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure to be on the show. Yes, it's Rodrigo Rodriguez. We've got uh, Warren Diego and Carlos Alberto Diego. Now, Arthur, India's known around the world as a place with turning pitchers and legendary spin bowlers, but you're not over there to coach cricket. Football's your game, our game as well. Tell us how big the game uh, is over there in India. Oh, it's, it's, um, uh, first of all, you're very right. Uh, cricket, cricket is everywhere still. That's, that's the first thing you notice when you get... Um, come through customs and into the into the country, but um, football is growing uh, at a, a very rapid rate over here as well. And, and I've had the opportunity to spend uh, I've spent three visits here in the last six weeks, and obviously now I've come um, full time with the Olympic team. But it really is growing. Uh, the federation here are, are looking to invest money into developing the game, and yeah, it's an honour to be in a country like this and, and coach of a national team. Arthur, it's Carlos Alberto Diego. Now, obviously, uh, if you look at FIFA and you look at uh, big leagues like the EPL, they would uh, love nothing more than a, a great young Indian player to come out of the country and play for a big club. Uh, of course, uh, you know, to tap into the millions of people over there, sports-loving people, would be something that uh, it's one of the uncharted territories of, of FIFA, and they would love something like that. What's the talent like there, and uh, will you unearth a gem in your under-23 Olympic squad? Yeah, yeah, I understand. Uh, that's that's part of the reason, obviously, I, I end up here as well because there's some um, involvement from FIFA to develop the game in India, as you said, because the potential to, first of all, obviously, to have a player move overseas um, is something that would be huge for any country because of the, the commercial possibilities within India. So they're actually investing a lot from the ground up. So they're, they're developing elite football academies for the youth players. In terms of the squad I've inherited at the moment, I definitely have some talented young players as well, and, and, and I guess that's why the need for some uh, foreign expertise has been brought in as well to develop these players further. So, yeah, we have a, a couple of boys that are already playing with the senior national team, and they're in the under-22 team. So there is, there is a possibility, but I think more in the long term, you're looking at the, the core group has been developed underneath uh, this group that hopefully starts to, to bear some fruit. Now, Arthur, we know that the key to any competition or any sport thriving in a country is young people playing the game and getting the game into schools and that sort of environment. Is there any culture of participation in world football, in soccer as we call it, in the schools? And is there a sense that it it can grow and maybe take some of the kids that are looking that otherwise would look to play cricket away from that into another sport? Yeah, look, at the moment, that's probably a bit difficult for me to, to give you a, a knowledgeable answer because of the time I've spent here is basically straight into camp and preparing for a tournament. Uh, what I do see is that yeah, it is like almost split now. Like You see a lot of cricket being played in general, but there is a lot of football being played even on the streets. And, and again, it's a different culture to probably being back home where you know the, the school system is something you look to, to go through or the club system. Here it's a bit more randomised, um, but at the same time, that's the reason now they're, they're looking to develop these academies. And they have a, a plan to have 12 academies in place by the end of uh, next year, which is 12 full-time academies 
So the players live there, they go to school there. So it's almost like replicating an AIS situation, but you have 12 across India. So that also significantly um, increases the depth of players being developed. Here on World Football Weekly, we're speaking with newly appointed Indian Olympic football coach Arthur Pappas. Now, now, as we said, you're, you're the Olympic uh, football team coach uh, for, for India. When's your first big test with your squad? Yeah, we're, we're in preparation for our first big test at the moment. So uh, we're in camp at the moment in Delhi for another seven days and, and we head off to Dubai for another seven-day camp from next Thursday. And on the 23rd of June, we have our first AFC Cup qualifying match and that's against Lebanon. And then in the space of 11 days, we play five matches. And, and we face a really difficult group because in our group is also the likes of Iraq, uh, the UAE, Oman and Turkmenistan. And Oman's the host nation. So, I mean, if you, if you look for a comparison, Iraq and UAE were in the Australian Olympic qualifying group and Australia struggled to score a goal in, in the qualifying group. So it, it's a tough challenge. And it's not the whole purpose is not about now just making sure this cup goes successful. It's a, it's a bit more of a long-term aim at the moment because we're changing the style of football that's been, been played in India for the last you know, 15 to 20 years. And that, that doesn't happen overnight. And in, in the long term, the next challenge after that is our uh, under-22 national team, in essence, majority plays under the name of Palin Arrows in the Indian I-League. So that, that's a really good possibility to, to see some big improvement. And that league starts in the middle of October. Now, Arthur, we all know about the IPL, of course, a really rich cricket competition there in India. Uh, you've mentioned the I-League. We know that Venkis, uh, the chicken magnates, uh, have bought Blackburn Rovers in the UK. Uh, even though they've been uh, relegated, they certainly have the money to, to invest in a, in a big EPL club. So there's the, money, the money's there. Is there a chance that someone's going to throw big money at the I-League where we get some big named players from around the world playing there and, and maybe from the top down uh, really enthuse and engage young kids uh, to move them away from cricket to play football? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a real possibility at the moment. Now, in, in the local papers here every day, there's a lot of news about the I-League and, and investment and, and what you have, and I, I don't know the name, sorry, because I don't, I'm not familiar with all the names yet, but one of the very successful Bollywood actors who invests in the IPL He's looking to buy 50% of one of the clubs at the moment. So someone like him, and I've spoken to the people here to get a better understanding of what kind of impact that would have, is, is exactly what you're talking about. So if you start to get this kind of investment into the football, then they'll also bring other people's interest. And I think there's some huge possibilities here in, in the domestic league. Well, Arthur, you know, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I hope you're enjoying um, your Vindaloo curry instead of the Suvlakis <laughs> over there. Um, as always, um, it's a great pleasure having seeing a young Australian apply their craft overseas, especially in such an important market as India. Thanks for your time here on World Football Weekly. I really appreciate it, and thank you very much. That was a special soft sombrero moment, live from Delhi to newly appointed Indian Olympic football coach Arthur Pappas. That brings uh, our show to an end today. Thanks, Carlos and Warren. That was uh, very interesting today. Join us from 4diegos.com for your dose of world football every week here on World Football Weekly on ABC Radio Australia. Until next week, ole! Is this